people were just so much stronger in certain positions and so much weaker in others. What if we could change the weight in accordance to our output capacity? We want to exhaust the fuel system of the muscle. And then it's the faster you get rid of all of it, the body is stimulated to replace it and then retain even more. Take the cell to structural fatigue, 23% of people cannot get to ever, no matter what they do, with regular weights. But when people use X3, everyone's on a, on a level playing field. Anybody can put on muscle like an NFL player. Welcome to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast, where we meet the world's top experts to explore the secrets of health, mindset, longevity, and so much more. Are you ready to take charge of your existence and biohack your life? This show is for you. Please keep in mind, we're not dispensing medical advice and are not responsible for any outcomes you may experience from implementing the tactics lying herein. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Oh my goodness, friends, this episode has been so, so requested by you guys. Ever since I mentioned that I was trying out John Jayquish's X3 system, people keep asking me, when is the episode airing? What are my thoughts on the system? Well, it is finally here. This conversation was so incredible. Honestly, when Dr. Jayquish's people first reached out to me, I wasn't sure if it was a gimmick, if there was actually something legitimate going on here. I read his book and it blew my mind. I didn't realize, for example, that he was the inventor of OsteoStrong, which I was super familiar with, especially with my obsession with bone health. I have a really good interview with the Caltons, by the way. I'll put a link in the show notes if you'd like to learn more about bone health and preventing osteoporosis. But in any case, John Jaquish is so cool. He's doing incredible things with building and maintaining muscle in the healthiest, easiest, most epic way possible. He has his X3 system, which takes what he learned about bone health and sort of applies it to muscle. I'm very impressed with the X3. It's very, very minimal time investment and you see really rapid gains. It's very impressive. And after listening to this episode, you will understand why. I do have a discount for you guys. You can go to melanieavalon.com slash X3, and then you can use the code SAVE50, and that will get you $50 off. This conversation is so fascinating. I think you guys are going to love it. The show notes for today's episode will be at melanieavalon.com slash muscle. Those show notes will have a full transcript, so definitely check that out. There will be two episode giveaways for this episode. One will be in my Facebook group, IF Biohackers, Intermittent Fasting plus Real Foods plus Life. Comment something you learned or something that resonated with you on the pinned post to enter to win something I love. And then check out my Instagram for the announcement post about this episode. Also comment there to enter to win something I love. I have a very exciting announcement, friends. I have officially launched a TikTok channel. I've been on Instagram for a while, but it is time for TikTok. And with the channel, I'm going to be posting daily, very high quality, awesome biohacking content, tips and tricks, things from my life. And I really want to bring the glam to biohacking because I feel like biohacking can be very male-centric or focused on a certain type of person. And I just want to break that stereotype and bring all the sparkles. So please join me there. My handle is Melanie Avalon official. Please let me know what you'd like to see from me, what you think of the content. I do feel pretty shy about it. So please join me so that we can be friends and just go on the most epic biohacking adventure. 
Okay, friends, spirulina update. It is still coming. I know it's been taking a while. It's just because I want to make the most ideal spirulina tablets on the market, ones that are tested for purity and potency and to be free of all pesticides and just the highest quality. So we've got that spirulina source. It tastes awesome. The issue we're experiencing is that in order to make it into tablets, it requires another ingredient. If you're currently taking spirulina tablets and they say they are one ingredient, they are not one ingredient. There is something in there that is helping to keep that structure. So we're trying to figure out which route to go with this. It's really fun because I keep trying different samples. I think I know which one I like the most, but we'll see which one I end up picking. Either way, I really love the taste of our spirulina. It doesn't taste fishy or LGE, and I really experienced the benefits. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can get my other Avalon X supplements at avalonx.us. Friends, have you jumped on the serapeptase bandwagon yet? That's what I launched with, and to this day, it continues to be my most favorite supplement ever. It's a proteolytic enzyme created by the Japanese silkworm. When you take it in the fasted state, it actually breaks down non-living problematic proteins in your body, so it can help address an array of issues. Like I said, it will clear your sinuses, calm inflammation, it may help reduce cholesterol. Studies have shown it can break down amyloid plaque, it can help alleviate pain, and so much more. I take it daily. It is one of the most important supplements in my arsenal. This is the new year. Start it off right. Get some serapeptase. You can get 10% off with the coupon code MELANIEAVALON, as well as a 20% off code when you text AVALONX to 877-861-8318. That's AVALONX to 877-861-8318. Those codes will also work with my fantastic partner, MD Logic Health. For that, go to melanieavalon.com slash mdlogic. And of course, all of my supplements I formulated to be the very best on the market. They're tested multiple times for heavy metals and mold. They're free of all common allergens as well as problematic fillers, which goes back to that whole spirulina formulation issue I was talking about. They come in glass bottles to help prevent leaching of plastics into ourselves and the environment. And we even use the minimal amount of stickiness required for the labels to help with our environmental impact. To get these fantastic products, go to avalonx.us and definitely get on my email list so that you don't miss the spirulina launch special. For that, go to avalonx.us slash email list. Another resource for you guys if you struggle with food sensitivities like I do, you have got to get my app, Food Sense Guide. It's a comprehensive catalog of over 300 foods for 11 potentially problematic compounds. These include things you may be reacting to, like gluten, lectins, FODMAPs, histamine, oxalates, sulfites, thiols, whether or not something is a nightshade, and so much more. It even includes autoimmune paleo AIP status. You can learn about the compounds, create your own list to share and print, and finally take charge of your food sensitivities. It is a top Apple app, often in the top 10 for the Apple food and drinks charts. And friends, get it now because I'm going to be updating it to a subscription basis soon. So you definitely want to get grandfathered in for life at one super low price. With the subscriptions, by the way, I'm going to be implementing some pretty cool features. So I need to do subscriptions to help support that. So like I said, get it now. Before we change to subscriptions, you can get it at melanieavalon.com slash foodsenseguide. And one more thing before we jump in. Did you know there are over a thousand compounds found in conventional skincare and makeup in the U.S. 
that have been banned in Europe due to their toxicity. If you are using conventional skincare makeup, you are directly putting into your bloodstream toxic compounds, including obesogens, which can literally cause your body to store and gain weight. So if your diet's not working, you might want to think about what's happening with your skincare makeup, as well as carcinogens linked to cancer. I'm not making this up and just endocrine disruptors in general, which mess with our hormones. Thankfully, there's an easy solution to this. There's a company called Beauty Counter and they were founded on a mission to change this. Every single ingredient is extensively tested to be safe for your skin so you can truly feel good about what you put on and their products really work. I am obsessed with their overnight resurfacing peel, their vitamin C serum, they have shampoo and conditioner, skincare lines for every skin type, and incredible makeup. It's so amazing that Tina Fey actually wore all beauty counter makeup when she hosted the Golden Globes. So yes, it is high definition camera ready. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Melanie Avalon and use the coupon code cleanforall20 to get 20% off site-wide. You can get the latest updates from me, specials, sales, samples, and so much more on my email list. That's at melanieavalon.com slash cleanbeauty. And you can join me in my Facebook group, Clean Beauty and Safe Skincare with Melanie Avalon. People share product reviews and their experiences, and I do a giveaway every single week in that group as well. And lastly, if you're thinking of making clean beauty and safe skincare a part of your future, like I have, I definitely recommend becoming a Band of Beauty member. It's sort of like the Amazon Prime for clean beauty. You get 10 back in product credit, free shipping on qualifying orders, and a welcome gift that is worth way more than the price of the year-long membership. It is totally completely worth it. And I'll put all this information in the show notes. An important announcement, friends. My EMF blocking products are coming. Make sure you don't miss the launch special. For that, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list. EMFs are actually classified by the IARC as a group 2B, possibly carcinogenic to humans. These are such a problem. We are exposed to them through our Wi-Fi, our cell phones, our AirPods, And they are linked to so many health issues, including anxiety, migraines, headaches, even fertility issues. This is such a problem. Thankfully, you can address your EMF exposure. I'm going to help with that with my Avalon X EMF blocking product line. So again, get on my email list at melanieavalon.com slash EMF email list to check that out. All right, without further ado, please enjoy this wonderful conversation with John Jayquish. Hi, friends. Welcome back to the show. I am so incredibly excited about the conversation that I am about to have. So a little backstory for today's conversation. So as you guys know, I'm really into health, diet, fitness, all of those things, but I feel like I've been pretty transparent that when it comes to exercise and the gym and muscle building and all of the stuff like that, that I am a huge proponent of the importance of supporting muscle for health and longevity, but I'm not exactly a gym goer. I don't really know a lot about that. When we get a lot of questions on the intermittent fasting podcast, I try to do my research and answer everything intelligently, but it's not my forte as far as knowledge is concerned. And it's been on my to-do list to learn more about exercise science. And then something just sort of fell in my lap, or I guess popped up in my inbox. And that was a new book out called Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. The subtitle is So is Cardio and There's a Better Way to Have the Body You Want. And friends, so so I saw this book. I wasn't sure 
I wasn't sure. Um, <laughs> I wasn't sure if it was just trying to sell a product or if there was actually something behind it. So I sat down, read the book, researched the author, Dr. John Jayquish, and oh my goodness, friends, this book blew me away. I wasn't really aware about all of the myths and misconceptions and potentially faulty science and exercise science. So I'm glad that I wasn't indoctrinated in that. Like this is kind of my indoctrination into exercise science. So it's nice to feel like I'm learning it the way that it should be from the beginning. But I am so excited for today's episode where we're going to dive deep into all of that, as well as a product which might actually revolutionize your muscle building capacity. Dr. Jay Quish, your PhD, thank you so much for being here. Melanie, thanks for having me. So like I said, I'm very, very excited. To start things off, I teased a little bit of this briefly, but you are the founder not only of the X3 bar that we're going to talk about, but also Osteo Strong, which I was very familiar with. I was really interested in bone health. And I did an episode on osteoporosis with the Caltons, and they talk about Osteo Strong a lot in that book. So I'm very familiar with the concept. Would you like to tell listeners a little bit about your personal story? What led you to creating, I know this is a big question, but <laughs> Osteo Strong and X3, and why are you doing what you're doing? Osteo Strong came out of a need. My mother was diagnosed with osteoporosis, and uh, she was in her 70s, but she was very active, and she could sort of do anything at the time. And so she was hiking. She was playing tennis. She was diagnosed with osteoporosis, and she was afraid that she was going to be limited in what she'd be able to do for the remainder of her life. And so it's like, oh, I can't hike anymore. I could fall and break a bone. And for those of you who don't know, osteoporosis is when because of disuse the bone becomes brittle now a lot of people think exercise you know just general exercise or walking will do something for bone the minimum dose response for the hip joint which is the biggest joint in question in the body those it's the hip fractures that are as likely to cause death as breast cancer at the rates that people have hip fractures at and die from complications from the hip fractures so when my mom learned all this, she didn't want really, like, she was just like, I completely have to change my life. I can't do anything. And I saw her really depressed. And I said, well, let me look into this because I don't think it's very practical when you're as athletic as you are and you have low bone density, just hiding at home isn't going to make it any better. If anything, you'll just be worse faster. And then you're going to lose muscle. You'll have sarcopenia. That's a spiral to death. I looked at the dysfunction in a very different way. And this was before I did my PhD. Now, my PhD advisor told me that if I had tried to develop this after doing my PhD, I would have talked myself out of it because my approach was so unconventional, which I, I found that comment very refreshing because I always felt like standard education was very much, this is how it is and never question it. And I don't like that. I don't like that at all. That doesn't make any sense to me. I think everything should be challenged. You know, right now we're living in political challenging times, but you know, may, maybe it's needed. Maybe people need to learn that there's either a better way or they need to learn the hard way that we were doing it the better way already. And they're just screwing stuff up now. So, but either way, it's good to know. When I got to this point where I developed a prototype for the device, I put my mother through it. She used the device devices 
the osteostrong devices. She used them once per week. And, and after 18 months, she had the bones of a 30 year old woman. So like she like overcompensated, like she had, not only did she not have osteoporosis, but she had the type of bones she normally had, would have normally had 40 years before that. And the good news is the effect of the device lasts for 30 years in the body. So she'll never have to worry about bone density again. So this is, this is not, not unlike other exercise in anything in exercise science. This is the kind of thing you can stop doing after you reach a high level of bone density, which this device provides. You're protected, you know, potentially for the rest of your life. When doing that study, I noticed that humans are way more powerful than we think they are, but it's only in very specific positions. Like, for example, when doing the trials for the product, this was done in uh, University of East London, uh, the uh, hospital near there called Stratford Village Surgery. When that was going on, some of the test subjects in the study, and I, I just participated in the study from a methods perspective, because you're not, like, as an inventor, I'm not allowed to collect any data or really be in the middle of the study. I just have to be an observer. So I was an observer, and one of the test subjects was one of the physicians that worked at the hospital. And she says to me, I'm putting hundreds of pounds through my hip joint when I use this device. What is this compared to someone my age or someone young and athletic, just as far as a loading event? And I said, that's a great question. I'll find out an answer to that question. And as soon as I found out the answer to that question, the answer is, so the people using Osteostrong were using six, seven, eight, nine times their body weight in their lower extremities, which is, you know, stronger than like professional strength athletes can use. But And these people had never exercised. They just did six months with the osteostrong devices in a very limited range of motion. And so I'm looking at that very limited impact ready range of motion is what you'd call it, because uh, it's where we would naturally absorb high impact. So if you jump and land, there's very specific biomechanics to your knees, hips, spine, shoulders, so that you're in balance and you're able to discharge those forces throughout the body. So when, when I looked at this data, it did an analysis on the NAINS database, which is the database that holds sort of the most fitness data in the world. Uh, there's about 20,000 test subjects in that database right now, and they add 2,000 a year. When I looked at that, it turns out that regular people load their lower extremities with 1.3 times their body weight when they're beginners, and when they're advanced, 1.53 times their body weight. Now, I know when people hear those numbers, they're like, well, I leg press more than that. Eh, no, you don't. Because a leg press, most of the weight is going into the ground because you're not pushing it in a perpendicular manner away from the ground. You're pushing it at an angle. So a lot of people think their legs are a lot stronger than they really are just because of the way equipment is set up. Aside from that, it was very apparent that people were just so much stronger in certain positions and so much weaker in others. And so what I thought immediately was, gosh, weightlifting is a terrible stimulus. Like, what if we could change the weight in accordance to our biomechanics, to our output capacity? So now we already had band training, but the problem, problem with band training is band training is a waste of time. 
also because if you get heavy enough to be relevant to muscle, you're damaging your joints because bands twist your joints. So if you throw a band around your back and you do a push-up or you throw a band around your shoulders and you stand on it and try and do a squat, you're bending your, your ankles inward. So lateral force in a joint, in a small joint like that, could destroy it. And so that's why people who do band training, they work out with like a 10-pound band, which is they use more strength to put on their shirt in the morning. So that's never going to work. So what we needed was something to mediate much more powerful bands, but so that wrists and ankles were always kept neutral. And that, that brought me to my second invention, which is more focused on muscle than bone, called the X3. And that's, that's really got a lot of attention around the world right now. And uh, that was mostly the subject of the book, Weightlifting is a Waste of Time. It's like, why did I go through the trouble of developing this? Especially when I had a, business, a great business already with OsteoStrong. And the answer was the thing re- worked ridiculously well. The first year of testing it, I put on 30 pounds of muscle and then 15 more pounds in the subsequent year. So after turning 40, I put on 45 pounds of muscle. Nobody really does that. I mean, people using performance-enhancing drugs don't do that, at least not at my age. It was, it was totally mind-blowing. It worked better than I even thought it was going to based on the research I had. Now, at the time, there was quite a bit of research on variable resistance, which is what I was doing, but the applications of variable resistance were so weak and I was the one that had the actual true variance curve. I was the only guy in the world that had that based on the osteostrong data. So the variance curve is, it's like, what is, like, let's say you're doing a push-up. When your nose is against the ground, you have the ability to produce X amount of force. And then as you push away from yourself in the middle of the movement where, you're, where your elbows are bent, maybe just just a little straighter than 90 degrees, you might have 2x capacity. And then at the top, just before your elbows lock out, you have 7x capacity. So there's a curve there of what your, what your motor output can be based on the biomechanical positioning, biomechanical advantages versus disadvantages. But ultimately, the problem was that that's not how we work out. That's not how anybody works out. And the people who had experimented with variable resistance before, they were experimenting with arbitrary numbers, like X amount of weight on their chest, and as they push away, it's 1.2X at the top. So nowhere near what, what it needed to be. And of course, how many repetitions you're going to do would have to do, would impact what ratio you would want. You know, so the 7X versus X on the bottom that would be a ratio that's more like a one rep maximum. Only a fool does a one rep maximum. I mean, unless you're in a powerlifting competition. So, because you don't, you don't grow muscle from that. It's just a great way to get hurt. So when looking at what, what we needed, so we do want repetitions because we want to exhaust the fuel system of the muscle, which is the ATP, the glycogen, and the creatine phosphate. So you have three fuels in your muscle. You want to get rid of all of that. And then it's the faster you get rid of all of it, the body is stimulated to retain, replace it, and then retain even more. So you hold more fuel in the muscle. And then that's, that's what you call sarcoplasmic growth. And then there's myofibril growth, where you stress the muscle when it's at 
its points of maximums in, in producing force. So, so you take the, the tissue to, or you take the cell to structural fatigue, which actually 23% of people cannot get to ever, no matter what they do with regular weights. Now they can with X3, what I developed, and it, ha- it has to do with their tendon layout, but I'll, I'll get to that a little, a little bit later. This ended up being a, a, it's the world's strongest variable resistance device, but that variable resistance that's applied to the body is so powerful, it changes people very quickly. And the only other sticking point I had beyond that with that I noticed with some of the users was they just weren't getting enough protein to, to put on the amount of muscle that they can. So, I, I mean, I helped with that too, uh, developing a protein product. But the real, the real answer here, the, the, the catalyst to everything was first the bone density and then noticing that like weightlifting just didn't make sense when you saw what the human body was capable of in other positions. Hi, friends. Do you want to come hang out with me and Dave Asprey and so many other guests I've had on the show? You simply must come to the 10th annual biohacking conference, May 30th through June 1st in Dallas, Texas. And of course, I have a massive discount code for you guys. I went last year to the one in Orlando and it was one of the most fun times of my entire life. I met and got to hang out with so many guests that I've had on the show. I met so many of you guys. And of course, there's lots of Danger Coffee and Dave Asprey approved meals and dry farm wines. And that's just the social aspect. The conference itself is mind blowing. They have this incredible expo where they have all the biohacking supplements, all the biohacking things. You can learn about them, try samples meet the creators and founders. If you haven't tried a lot of biohacking things, it's a great chance to actually try them out in person. Things like brain tap, infrared sauna, hyperbaric oxygen chambers, and so much more. There are so many incredible speakers as well. You can hear talks from people I've had on the show like Paul Saladino, Dr. Daniel Amen, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, Dr. Mercola, Dr. Annika Becca, and that is just a few of them. I seriously had the time of my life last year, and I would love to hang out with you guys. And you can get 35% off tickets. Just go to melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference and use the coupon code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. That's melanieavalon.com slash biohackingconference with the code BCMelanie to get 35% off your tickets. This code can be used for general admission or for VIP access. Seating is limited. They do sell out. They sold out last year. So get your ticket now. And if you come, definitely let me know because I want to meet you. So hopefully see you guys in Dallas. MelanieAvalon.com slash biohacking conference with coupon code BCMelanie. Get your tickets now. I'll see you guys there. Oh my goodness. Okay. I have so many questions. This is amazing. Really quick clarification question about the variable resistance. I just want to make sure I'm understanding. So is it basically that in the muscle there's a lot of different positions and ways that it can be and the ability to like use it to its full potential at every single point of that. You want to take it to its full potential of fatigue. That's the important part. Now, are you using it to its full potential? Yes. And when you're, when you're lifting a regular weight, like let's say you get under a bar that has 200 pounds on it and it's 200 pounds at the top, it's 200 pounds at the bottom, that's just going to be a waste of time because at the bottom, it's going to stress your joints and potentially cause injury. At the top, 
you're hardly firing any muscle at all because it's easy because you're far more powerful up there. Oh, so you would want it to be at the top to be like more weight. Very heavy. And at the bottom to be much lighter. So that you're always having the maximum like potential without creating injury and without being limited by weak parts. Right. So when I chest press, as I push it away from myself, just when I start, I'm holding 100 pounds. When I get to the middle of the movement, I might have 250 pounds. When I get to the top of the movement, I'm holding 550 pounds. And I get the benefit of loading the body with that 550 pounds, maybe 20 repetitions. So huge forces going through the muscle. And then as I begin to fatigue, we use what's called diminishing range. That's something I came up with where as you begin to fatigue, because you're using variable resistance, you just don't go to the top anymore because you can't. So you go however far as you can go and you start doing shorter repetitions until your last repetition is like an inch and then you're done. Okay, gotcha. So you fatigue the muscle to a much, much more extreme degree than anything else ever could and thereby a greater growth response happens. Actually, going back to an an even more foundational question, so comparing bone growth or bone strength to muscle strength, like what is the parallel there? Like, Because I know when we think of muscle, and maybe there's more nuance to this, which you talk about in the book, but when we think of building muscle, we think of injuring the muscle and rebuilding it. With bone, is it injuring the bone and rebuilding it? Or what's actually happening in both cases? That's a myth. They're, the idea that we create damage in the muscle and then the muscle grows back stronger, that is not true. I like highlighted that and that blew my mind. So would love to hear more. <laughs> well, in fact, you do receive muscle damage with a regular weight workout, especially with multiple sets. Your body will not grow until it fixes that damage. So it fixes the damage first. So damage is inversely related to growth. So it is when somebody is not damaging the muscle in a workout, but still taking the muscle to complete fatigue. And anybody who works out is like, well, how do you do that? Right, exactly. How do you do that? My approach does that every time. It does it profoundly. It does it to a exponential degree of what regular weight training can do. When you're lifting regular weights, you're getting a mixture of damage and growth little bit of damage usually. The problem is when it comes, you damage the muscle and you also damage the joint. The muscle recovers, the joint doesn't. Most of what you do to your joints is permanent. So I see guys who are doing heavy bench pressing in their 20s and they're not going to be able to comb their hair in their 40s because they can't lift their arms up because of the shoulder damage they have. It's funny, some of the powerlifting advocates who they really emotionally have a problem with X3 because they look at it, it's not powerlifting. So powerlifters, when they train, they powerlift or they do different drills to make their lifts better or more balanced or more focused or whatever. But they're still really beating up on the joints. And there are guys who have joint replacements because of their lifting and they still won't change. They still won't pick up X3. And I like, there's even a few of them that are like advocates of X3 and they use X3, but there's still something about 
what they're accustomed to, where they want to go back and, and lift heavy weights also. So that's certainly better. But also keep in mind, the stronger you get, the more joint damage you're prepared to give yourself. And so like joint damage doesn't happen to the teenager who's just beginning lifting. Also, because the teenager is weak. They're, they're children. They still have child strength. And then as they begin to build strength, the stronger they get, the more at risk they put their joints. Now, there is a study done in 1999 by Benjamin and Ralphs, which showed that when you compress joints end to end, meaning almost in the lockout position, then you get a fibrocartilage uptake within the joint capsule. So all tendons and ligaments that surround the joint become thicker and more powerful. But weights won't do this because you need a weight that's too heavy. But X3 does. So you actually can recover your joints with X3, whereas you're destroying your joints with standard weightlifting. I just want to understand the muscle damage part. So for a muscle to grow, does it just need to receive the signal that it's not capable of doing what it's doing? It needs fatigue, not damage. Okay. Fatigue, not damage. What creates the damage and how can it be fatigued without damage? Like what creates the damage in the muscle? Well, variable resistance is one way. It's the best way. But when, when you sort of get used to a workout where, you know, when you first start working out, you're really sore. And then you repeat that same workout over and over again for a month. And then after a month, you're not really sore anymore. That's when you're starting to grow, which is ironic because people think the opposite. Once they stop getting sore, they're like, oh, I got to change up my workout because I'm not getting sore anymore. They call that muscle confusion theory. That, amongst other things, was some of the uh, silly stuff that Arnold Schwarzenegger put out there that was just dead wrong. No science to back it up. And then when science tested this theory, it turns out it's false. Switching up your workout is not more beneficial. It's to the detriment of your progress. You actually make less progress than if you stick with just a, a regular simple program. Does everybody have a genetic potential for their muscles to be a certain strength or size? Awesome question. One of the biggest factors that defines who gets strong and who doesn't. And I mean, like we also have to admit, fitness is the most failed human endeavor. When you look at the average person with a gym membership, I'm talking average person. I'm not talking about bodybuilders here. And by the way, the leanest one percentile of men are 10.6% body fat. That's pathetic. And that's the best 1% in America. If it were 6%, that'd be impressive. But you know, are one out of 100 people fit looking? No, maybe one out of 10,000 people are. But then why are we listening to the fitness industry? Because basically everybody who follows it doesn't change. I mean, think about your friends. Like I'm sure you have a bunch of friends who've been going to the gym for years. Do they really look any different? Do they really perform any different? Maybe a little bit of difference in the first couple of weeks, and then, you know, they still have a couple of fat rolls, and they're not really any stronger, and they don't have better posture or anything. And I, I say, most of the time, I can walk into a, and I'm, I'm not talking about a place where like athletes train, not Gold's Gym, Venice, California, any gym other than that. You walk in and you see a bunch of regular looking people. Fat people, skinny people, nobody's muscular. You go to the pizza hut next door, everybody looks the same. 
so in general, I just, when, when somebody says, well, that's not the way it's been done, you know, what do you have to say about all this stuff that's been done for the past 50 years? Well, all that stuff that's been done for the past 50 years didn't work. It's not working. Right. Like it's obviously not working. We're fatter and sicker as a society than ever. It's like dieting. Yeah. Well, I, it's, part of the, it's part of the same subject. I mean, the, the nutrition advice is, is pretty stupid too. I mean, how many people are fasting? Hardly any. How about just, just resting your intestines and, and regenerating cells, having some autophagy in your intestines? Last thing your physician will say is that, but that should be the first thing they say. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know you're on board with that. And then also like, what are really the qualities of food? So, you know, the recommended daily allowances of vitamins, those were derived in, those were, I should say, contrived in the 1950s via expert opinion, the lowest form of medical evidence there ever has been. And they've never been changed. So a lot of vitamins that we hear, you know, we need, do we? Has anybody proven that? So like scurvy, you need vitamin C, right? Wrong. You don't need vitamin C. You need vitamin C if you're shoveling sugar into your mouth because the vitamin C is an antioxidant. My point is you don't need an antioxidant if you're not oxidizing. So if you're poisoning yourself, do you need the antidote? Yes. If you're not poisoning yourself, do you need the antidote? No. I've heard they have never actually tested vitamin C in meat either. Like vitamin C with like a carnivore diet? I've heard that it's, it hasn't been tested. Like, you know how we listed as zero vitamin C, but it might actually have vitamin C. Well, okay. So organ meats are actually loaded with vitamin C. So that, that's true. And that, that, has been, that has been shown. There's almost every vitamin like that has ever been discovered is in organ meats. And I eat organ meats, but not that much because I try and eat them in proportion to what's available in nature. So like, let's say we have a, a steer that has 500 pounds of meat in it. Only two pounds of those 500 pounds are going to be liver or cardiac muscle, organ meats. So how often do I need to have that? Well, let's just say in proportion. So let's just say it's 250 to one ratio. So 250 nights of steak, I got to have one with, you know, some organs. Oh, wow. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if that's what shows up in nature, then obviously we're not beating nature. I have a funny approach to, to things like that where I can prove it, you know, hands down with just the obvious, you know, like we, we're certainly like, there's, there's the idea, like I've heard, heard this idea that, you know, you need organ meats every day. Well, there's no way prehistoric man ate at a different ratio than 250 to one because even if they were eating bigger animals like woolly mammoths, there's probably still that 251 ratio in there. You know, they're going to, they're going to choose the muscle meats first. And uh, they even continued to eat an animal after they took it down, after it was rotting, which gave them the best amino acids they could have ever had. And they do choose the muscle meats first. I feel like a lot of people in the carnivore world say the opposite. Every, every, and let's, let's look at other animals. Like the lion doesn't, you know, rip a gazelle apart and try and get to the liver first. It just eats some muscles. That's, that's, what's, that's what's there. And it'll get into the, to the organs too. But it might give up. You know, once it starts to turn, a little bit of the rotting 
rotting meat is okay, but yeah, at some point it just tastes terrible. So, uh, but, I mean, by the way, like I said, the rotting meats are, are the, the best ratio of amino acids, which is the basis of my protein product. It's all based on bacterial fermentation. So it's, it's almost 100% usable by the body, whereas like even steak is only 38% usable. Really quick about the vitamins. I was reading the Calitin's book and they talk about this study that showed where they tested all of these different diets, a lot of which were, I think, whole foods based and how none of them could achieve the, the RDAs for all of the vitamins. That's right. Jason Calton is a friend of mine. They're really great. So I feel like when most people see that, you know, that information, they think, oh, that means we're never going to get all of our vitamins and we need to supplement. But I feel like it might mean what you said. We don't need any of them. That maybe it means the RDAs aren't exactly accurate. Maybe we don't need all of that every single day. Right. So here's what I do. I don't need any, any of them. I mean, I eat steak and only steak. And then if I feel like I'm missing something, I go get a blood test and figure out what it could be that are causing my symptoms. Funny thing though, since I switched to only eating muscle meats, which was about four years ago, I've never had a single issue. Nothing. I'm hardly even hungry anymore. I've had both Sean Baker and Paul Saladino on the show. And it's like the two, the two camps of, because he's more like muscle meat like you, and then Paul's more all the organs. I'm, I'm friends with both those guys. So I do eat organ meats. But I don't do it because I think it's necessary. I kind of just like liverwurst. And there's a great San Francisco restaurant that will serve uh, venison heart, which I might have that once a year. And I, and I like their philosophy of using the whole animal for like environmental sustainability. Like, that's cool. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. But as far as like, you're going to die if you don't eat organ meats, not true. This is very liberating, I bet, for a lot of people in the carnivore world. So the genetic potential, so there is or is not a genetic potential to people? So there is a genetic potential, but it's mostly based on their biomechanics. There has only been one person in the history of drug testing that has failed the drug test based on her natural hormone levels. And she was kicked out of sports for life because she just naturally had too high a testosterone level. It was just an unfair playing field. Yeah, like this... You know, this woman, like, it was just really unfortunate, but like, she just couldn't participate. That's only happened one time. So the, the differences between people are not hormone levels. It's tendon insertion point. So some people have their, most people have their pectoral insertion at the top of their humerus bone. So your upper arm bone, that's where your pec, your chest attaches and pulling that bone across your body is, is how to activate that muscle. But some people have a mutation. Some people, the tendon inserts at the other end of the humerus bone, therefore like towards the elbow. So the humerus bone becomes a gigantic lever arm that they get a biomechanical advantage from. The people that have this mutation typically, almost always, become incredibly powerful athletes. And the other people who have the, the dis, disadvantageous positioning, and I think it was Pankos 2017 was a study that found that 23% of people were unable to trigger muscle protein synthesis doing any type of free weight training at all. Oh, wow. So their muscles just don't 
grow? Would they grow with X3? Well, it's in, in, in what I'm looking at these two different observations, I'm going to infer that it's because of their biomechanics because there's nothing wrong with their muscle. Like they don't have a muscle dysfunction. And so I get emails daily, maybe five or six emails a day where people will say, I've been lifting for years. I could never get anything out of it. The day I got X3, I felt different. Like everything was different. And then the next day I used it and I felt different again and different again. And, you know, all of a sudden, six months later, I'm 20 pounds heavier. And, you know, they might've lost 10 pounds of, of body fat at the same time, because that's usually what happens. So like they all of a sudden get in shape when they start using X3. And I'm like, okay, I know what your problem was. That's a, the tendon disadvantage. But when people use X3, everyone's on a, on a level playing field. Anybody can put on muscle like an NFL player, including the NFL players, which by the way, a lot of them use it. Probably see pictures of 17 NFL players. The entire Miami Heat team uses X3, actually endorse the book. Their endorsement's on the back cover of the book. Like real sports that have real coaching, i.e. not bodybuilding, we have incredible following from strength coaches and from players. They see great results. And that's all they care about. And speaking of bodybuilding, does strength at all correlate to size at all? Or is it? It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. So uh, yeah, there's no weak bodybuilders. My disappointment with the practice of bodybuilding is there's not a lot of science there. In general, the fitness industry, like, I mean, let's, let's talk about cardio just for a second. Cardio has always been the method that people use to try to lose body fat. Here's the problem. When you engage in cardiovascular activity, your body is trying to take small amounts of fuel and use those small amounts of fuel to go great distances. So. When that happens, the body is trying to optimize itself as a, as a machine to perform that task. So what's it going to do? It's going to do the same thing that Honda does when it tries to make an economy car. It's going to have a smaller engine, which means reduction of muscle. It's going to have a larger gas tank, which means you store more fat, not less, more. And it's going to slim down the chassis. So like the chassis of a Formula One car and the chassis of a Prius are pretty different. When the chassis becomes lighter, and this happens to cardio athletes too, that means you lose bone density. So cardio athletes have weak bones. They're more likely to fracture. They have very, very low amounts of muscle mass, the, like maybe the lowest possible. And then they store extra body fat. Now they still have a low body weight because they're what's called skinny fat. So when you lose weight from doing cardio, you're losing muscle, not fat. Your body is working as hard as it can to try and preserve the body fat you have. So cardio may be the worst thing to do if you're trying to lose body fat. And the fitness industry is really the gym membership sales industry. It's not really about fitness. It's about selling more people on buying a gym membership. And they don't care if you come. There's a reason they charge $9.99. And so when you're looking at your credit card bill, you don't notice it. It doesn't irritate you because they know you're not using it. Like uh, I, somebody told me they ran a big box gym and I shouldn't say which gym this is, but they had something like 10,000 members. And this thing was just like a small, you know, gym that could maybe only had like a 200 person capacity. Oh, wow. 
Right. Like if everybody showed up. <laughs> they would be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. And, but they know. They know most people will not show up. They'll keep their membership for six months. They make it hard for them to quit. You know, like you come in and say, I'm going to quit the gym. And then they find some, you know, attractive person to talk to them and talk them back into a life of fitness of which they still don't show up to. The tragedy goes on. I don't, I don't blame the fitness industry for not caring about science because getting people fit is not really what they do. Getting fit is up to you. It's, it's about learning. You know, like if all of a sudden everybody wants to use X3 at home, and I've already been getting calls on a regular basis, people want to start X3 gyms, you know, like sort of got to be group training sort of thing where everybody uses the X3. I'm, I'm open to the idea, but I want a really big entity to launch this. You know, I don't want somebody who's just, you know, dreaming of starting their fitness boot camp and then, you know, sort of not being able to execute to create a movement. You know, executing to start a business, that's one thing. Executing to create a movement, that's a very different thing. To clarify about the cardio, just for listeners, because you talk in the book about how technically all exercise is cardio. I say there's no such thing as cardio. Like, it's, it's more like it's all strength training. You engage a muscle, you contract that muscle, you contract it repetitively for a result. So when you strength train... You tax the heart even more than you do with cardiovascular exercise and your cardiovascular health, remember I said health, improves greater or equal to that of a person who does endurance exercise. The problem with endurance exercise is you, you get the joint damage, but you don't get any muscular result from it. So the mus muscle never adapts because you're never called upon to be strong. So you actually get weaker from it because that's the body responding to its environment. You don't need strong contractions, so it shrinks your muscle and allows you weaker contractions, which is more energy efficient. Carrying around all that extra muscle mass is the last thing the body wants to do if it is to go great distances with a small amount of fuel. So what about low intensity exercise and or like cardio and or low intensity cardio while carrying weights or somehow stimulating your, your muscles? Low intensity is low intensity. It's, it's all the same. It's going gonna, it's gonna to upregulate cortisol. So the hormonal, uh, the evidence we have is hormonal changes. So you suppress your growth hormone. Growth hormone is what metabolizes body fat and builds tendons and ligaments. So you suppress that, but you increase your cortisol. Now, increasing cortisol, a lot of people panic about that, especially in the biohacking community. And it's one of those things where you don't need a panic unless it's a chronic upregulation. So like getting out of bed in the morning upregulates cortisol. So there's no such thing as a bad hormone, but there are certain situations you can put the body in where your hormone levels are at a great disadvantage to what you, in comparison to what you want. So if you want to lose body fat and you have high cortisol levels, nah, you're gaining body fat or you're staying the same. Like, so you can't, you can't have chronically high levels of cortisol. And that's what a cardio athlete does. And what's the difference between, speaking of hormones, testosterone and human growth hormone? Huge difference. Totally, totally different thing. In fact, human growth hormone should really be called human repair hormone once you're an adult because it doesn't grow you anymore. It is actually not anabolic. So growth hormone does not grow muscle. Now, bodybuilders argue with that because they take a massive amount along with insulin, which is just 
like you're just playing Russian roulette with like a lot of different systems of the body to get that effect really bad. I, I, I don't agree with that practice at all. But aside from drug abuse, growth hormone will never put muscle on your body. It will make you leaner though. It can improve your eyesight and it can tighten up your skin. So you want to do things that encourage higher growth hormone levels. And then testosterone. So growth hormone is, is secreted based on a couple of things. You can get some from a good night of sleep, but the most powerful stimuli that I've ever seen documented in, in uh, the clinical literature is stabilization firing. So like sprinters, you ever look at the skull of a sprinter? It looks like it's been lined up by a laser. Like their head doesn't move hardly at all. And their whole body is moving. Like they're, they're throwing their arm back so they can pivot their pelvis forward faster. So the whole body is involved in sprinting. And they must stay absolutely balanced. So there's a lot of stability firing, which upregulates growth hormone. Also, people who use whole body vibration, massive upregulation of growth hormone. That's really the benefit of whole body vibration. The other stuff that people say whole body vibration does, untrue. Like there's a lot, of, that's a really scammy industry, the vibration business. Like there'll be claims that are just outlandish all the time. So now testosterone is mediated by how much force is required to go, to go through a muscle in, your, in the activities of the subject. So literally the heavier you go, the more testosterone receptors you have acted, activated and the more testosterone you make. Now, most testosterone in the human body goes places other than muscle. Now, it goes to repair different tissues. And sometimes it just circulates and ends up kind of going nowhere. Activating receptor sites is the most important thing for using the testosterone you have. And the, I, I'm, I really push this because people, especially young kids, think there's shortcuts by taking some anabolic drug like testosterone, synthetic testosterone. And I, and I tell them, you can inject all you want. First of all, it's painful and you're risking an infection every time you do that. But other than that, if you don't have the receptor sites activated, you're just going to have side effects. You're not going to have any of the benefit. 6.6% of males in the United States have used or are currently using anabolic steroids. Do 6.6% of people look like bodybuilders or look impressive in any way? Absolutely not. So most people who take steroids also fail because their exercise stimulus is garbage. Their nutrition is probably also bad. But if you strategically get more load on the body, like with variable resistance, get more load on the body. So there's, there's no getting away from heavy, but there's a strategic way you can apply, quote, heavy to the body like with variable resistance, so that you end up opening more receptor sites without the risk of injury. And that's a huge difference that we apply and people you know, read about all the time and weightlifting is a waste of time. 
Hi friends, I am so excited to tell you about something that I am obsessed with that can revolutionize your health, help with stress levels, support longevity, and really help you when you go out and are having a bit of wine or drinks or all the things. And I'm going to tell you how to get $100 off. So I've been talking about the role of NAD in our health for so long. NAD stands for nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide. It is a coenzyme that is involved in so many processes in our body, including energy production and DNA repair. And it is depleted by things like stress, aging, lack of sleep, alcohol, and of course, too much partying. In fact, a lot of researchers believe that declining NAD levels is one of the key factors in aging. That's why I have been really interested in boosting and supporting NAD levels. And I have tried all the things. You can take precursors to NAD called NR and NMN. I still take NMN. However, I am much more alert by directly giving your body NAD. And historically, the most common way to do that that is accessible to people was through NAD IVs and NAD shots. I actually never did an NAD IV for a few reasons. One, they are extraordinarily expensive. Two, I've been doing the shots, which I liked because they were easy to do. That said, they always made me feel a little bit unwell right afterwards. And I've heard that the IV makes a lot of people feel unwell. So if the shots were making me feel unwell and that was going into the muscle first as like a barrier, I can't even imagine what putting it straight into my bloodstream would have done. Plus with the IVs, you have to sit there for potentially hours. So basically IVs were a no-go for me. So like I said, I was doing the shots, but I was like, I wish there was an easier way to do this. Then a company called Ion Layer reached out to me. Oh my goodness, friends. I am so obsessed. So they make transdermal NAD patches and they have studies showing that these patches actually boost your NAD levels. And what's so amazing is you put on a patch. It's super easy to put on. I have a video on my Instagram about how you do it. You basically get this patch thing with like a negative side and a positive side. You put saline on one side, you mix up the NAD with some sterile water and the NAD that they give you on the other side. Then you stick it to your arm or wherever you want to put it. You put a super cool black patch over it, kind of like how you put the patches over CGMs. And then what's amazing is there are no side effects. You don't feel unwell from it and it lasts for 14 hours and it's so easy. You can do it at home and then you can really decide when you want to do it. So with the shots, I was doing them once a week and I was trying to do them before going out with this patch. Now I put on the patch before going out and it makes me feel so good. It really helps the next day from any alcohol recovery that you may need. And they look pretty awesome with my outfits. Not going to lie. I am obsessed with these patches. I just want everybody to know about them and they are so much more affordable than the shots or the IVs. If you want to boost your NAD levels, support anti-aging, help with your stress, help with lack of sleep, and or optimize your partying. You need these patches, friends. And I'm so excited because working with the company has been amazing and they are giving you guys $100 off, which is incredible. So to get that discount, just go to melanieavalon.com slash ion layer. That's I-O-N-L-A-Y-E-R and use the coupon code melanieavalon to get $100 off your first order. I cannot recommend these enough. I'm going to use them for the unforeseeable future, probably for the rest of my life. It's literally just become part of my arsenal now. Like when I'm getting ready to go out, usually once a week, put on my NAD patch. And even if I don't go out that week, I still like to do one once weekly. Oh, P.S. They're also amazing for traveling. You guys know I'm not
not a big traveler. I've been doing more traveling recently and I wear these on the plane there and back. Game changer. Although it's really fun at TSA, especially because I already opt out and don't go through the scanner thing. So they already are suspicious. And then they're like, what's that on your arm? And I'm like, it's NAD. And then they're like, what's that? And then I'm like, it's a coenzyme in your body that's involved in a lot of metabolic processes and energy production and DNA repair. And then they just look at me really weird, but it's fine. It's totally fine. So again, that's melanieavalon.com slash ion layer to get $100 off your ion layer kit. It comes with six patches, totally the way to go for boosting NAD levels. And I cannot recommend it enough. melanieavalon.com slash ion layer with the coupon code melanieavalon for $100 off. Kind of reminds me of people, it's not the same thing at all, but people wanting to like take tons of MCT oil to be in ketosis or, or exogenous ketones rather compared to actually creating them yourself <laughs> endogenously. Right. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One is everybody who's making, making those aware, no, I shouldn't say everybody, but most that are making people aware of ketosis are selling a product. But the best way to get into ketosis is to eat nothing. So you use your own ketones and metabolize your own body fat. I eat one meal a day, so I'm in, and, and when I do eat, it's just meat. So in ketosis all the time, but burning my own body fat in the fasted periods, you know, in those 23 hours that I'm not eating. And how long did you say you've been doing that? Uh, about four years. Yeah. I first got obsessed with the whole low-carb keto thing probably 12 years ago or 11 years ago. And then I did an experiment, and this was way before the carnivore movement. But I would I would just eat like a rotisserie chicken every single night because they marked that I was in college and they marked them down to like three dollars at like eleven p.m. So I would just go right because they're super dried out at that time. Yeah, yeah, they've been under heat lamps for like twelve hours. Yeah, but I was like three dollars. I would eat my chicken and I'd be like good to go. And I, I did that for like six months. I felt fantastic. Sounds delicious. I know. I've actually been thinking of like sort of returning to something similar or doing, you know, straight up carnivore. One more question sort of related to the genetic potential stuff. It's not genetic, but you talked about the potential of muscle to reach a certain size or was it strength based on what it had been previously? Was it bag theory or something about the, like the matrix around the muscle? Oh, yes. Yes. I uh, did. I did use the term bag theory. It's, it's, Proven, but in not so much in sports performance. A lot of it was from research on birds. So you can like just stretch a bird, like like imagine a bird doing yoga. But this bird who does yoga ends up growing muscle from this yoga. Now people obviously don't grow from doing yoga because, like I would say, like not there's anything wrong with yoga per se. But like yoga is not everything and it will not build an ounce of muscle. But there is a way where you can super hydrate a muscle. And I call it the hyperplasia protocol because what you're trying to do in this protocol is get muscle cells to split. And it has to do with working out to absolute exhaustion, stretching, having a vasodilator in your bloodstream, like an over-the-counter supplement like epimedium or a rather safe chemical like solidophil, uh, which is Viagra. No, wait, tilatophil is Viagra. Yeah, solidophil Cialis. 
So having a vasodilator in your bloodstream, having a little bit of carbohydrates. So there is actually a, a beneficial, I found one benefit of carbohydrates. And it's, it's to super hydrate the muscle and then stretching after the workout can cause some pretty rapid growth. But I would tell people, even though everybody wants to do it right away, I, I say in the book, like this is an advanced thing. Like, don't worry about this right away. But for some reason, you say advanced and every beginner wants to start day one with it. I will say I laughed at the part with the Viagra. You're like, don't tell your, don't tell your doctor this is why you want Viagra. Right. It's funny. You can go to your doctor and say, yeah, I want Viagra. And he's like, cool. Like, no questions asked, right? But if you're like, I want Viagra because I want to grow more muscle, they'll be like, well, that's not what it's for. No can do. No, 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 you can't, can't use it for that. So yeah, it's just like, just, just say you would like Viagra. They're not going to ask any more questions. So funny. Major question that we get on the intermittent fasting podcast all the time. And you're clearly going to be an expert person to ask this. So intermittent fasting and muscle, can you do fasting and build muscle? Is there any truth to the, what is the anabolic window? Do you need multiple stimuli for muscle protein synthesis throughout, like multiple times throughout the day? No. So you only need one stimuli, like to recover from a muscle building stimuli from complete fatigue of muscle. It takes 36 hours for protein synthesis to complete if there is no damage at all in the musculature. So if you're using X3 or some variable resistance measure, you can. You can now we wait 48 hours just in case somebody did something stupid like two sets because you're not supposed to do that. But there's always some bonehead who doesn't read any of the instructions and just does whatever he wants to do. That extra buffer in there is no problem. I, I wait 48 hours before re exposure to the force. But huge forces through the musculature. I then 24 hours later, I exercise the other half of the body. So we split the body, like push, push and pull muscles, pushing muscles one day, pulling muscles the next. Does that make sense? Yeah. And actually that, that taps into some, probably a huge question because I, I bet people, listeners are probably trying to envision what using X3 actually looks like. So how much time does it take? Are there multiple different types of workouts that you do? There's two types of workouts, pushing, pulling. Each of them have four movements. So you only have to exert yourself four times. Now, there's a couple other optional movements, I should say that. And then um, it, takes, it takes most people 10 minutes to go through a workout. It takes me or like a lot of the guys in the NFL, it takes them 15 minutes because the more muscular you are, the more blood has to flow into a muscle. And I'm glad you brought that up because the myth, this is a myth, that strength athletes have low cardiovascular endurance or low cardiovascular health. I'm going to defeat that myth right now. The larger a muscle is, the more blood it needs. So when I run up a flight of stairs, my quadriceps are as big around as the waist of most people. I'm 240 pounds, six feet tall, 7% body fat. So my legs are huge. So when I sprint up a flight of stairs, I'm like out of breath because my heart has to work very hard to fill my quadriceps with blood. And when somebody who's lighter than I am, like let's say a distance runner who probably weighs more like 140 pounds, sprints up a flight of stairs, it's like nothing to them because they have tiny legs. So 
Yeah. So that's where that whole idea comes from. So yeah, when I, in, I, I used to travel to Russia with this guy who was a distance runner, he would always say like, we're in the Munich airport switching planes as we fly out of London. He lived in London. It lives in London. And then, and so I grab him in London, we do some business there and then we go to Munich, switch planes and go to Moscow. And this guy would always say the same thing. It's like, God, for a guy as strong as you are, like you have terrible cardiovascular health. And I say the same thing every time. No, I have amazing cardiovascular health. I just have a bigger engine than yours. So if you put a Formula One engine in a Prius, it's not going to get the same mileage that it did before it had the Formula One engine. Like one engine is designed for massive power output in a short period of time. That is my body. So I'm more like a Formula One engine. He's more like a Prius. Go long distance on a small amount of energy. What do you think are the longevity implications of those different scenarios? Awesome question. The two uncontested greatest drivers of long life are high levels of strength and low levels of body fat. So like when I get in a conversation with like a vegan and they want to nitpick some study that I reference and I bring up that all of their studies are funded by Nabisco because Nabisco knows that you people are not eating kale, you're eating cookies and cake. Yeah, aside from that, I go, okay, okay. Let's, let's look at what makes people live the longest that has no argument against it. High levels of strength, low levels of body fat. That is the opposite of what veganism does. Veganism makes you incredibly weak. And unless you are at a perpetual caloric deficit, which has other health problems associated with it, you're probably going to get fat because all you're eating is carbohydrates. You're not doing anything for the musculature. That was always my, my rationale to nutrition. Like I'm going to go back a level and back a level and back a level until I find an indicator that is so basic, it shows me the answer that's way upstream. That is why I'm a carnivore. And that is why I encourage people eat more animal muscle meat. I question whether fruits and vegetables have any value at all. And I don't eat any of them and haven't in four years. So what do you think is happening in a population like Loma Linda where they are vegan and long-lived? Is it because of the calorie restriction? The people that live over 100 years in general, this just came out. Like the blue zones are all fraudulent. And what it turns out is what they all have in common was not a diet. It was no birth certificate records. So all these people were lying. They just made it up. This is a new thing that just came out? Yeah, a really new study. So blue zone dwellers do not live longer. Another food industry lie, which is now exposed. So here's a quote from the study. Relative poverty and short lifespan continue unexpected predictions as centaurian blue zone dwellers, you know, slash blue zone dwellers and super centaurian status and support a primary role of fraud and error in the in generating remarkable human age records and this was uh newman 2019 now of course vegans are often they can say they're 100 years old a lot of them look like they're 100 years old but they might only be like 65 because it's very hard on the skin and they get the sunken in eyes so you you may be looking at somebody who's 100 is actually 70 or something. 
like after after reading this study, it was sort of like, okay, well, I don't know how common that is, but I know the idea that there's this epidemic miracle all over the world where people who, I guess, eat cashews and kale and just live incredibly long. No, they're all lying about it. So in Loma Linda, is the same thing happening? Probably. Guessing they're not from Loma Linda or have any actual birth certificate. It's not happening just one place in the United States and then all the other places were seen as fraudulent. Hi, friends. Okay, so I'm a little bit embarrassed because I've been talking for so long about red light and near-infrared therapy, which is so, so important. However, I kind of left out something really important about light. So as you guys know, I've been talking about red light and near-infrared for so long. And at the same time, during the day, I was using a bright, sad light. So it's those white lights that help with waking you up, help with your circadian rhythm. They're used to combat mood issues and depression. So I have a really bright white one of those at my desk. A few things about that. I knew it helped wake me up and kept me stimulated, but I wasn't sure if it had any detrimental effects using it. And then two, I was also wondering if by just focusing on red and near-infrared light, was I somehow missing something in the full spectrum of light? Guess what? I was. And guess what? I found the solution. And guess what? I have a discount for you guys. So the founder of a company called Soulshine reached out to me and he was like, do you know about the importance of full spectrum light? And I was like, you know what? I've been wondering about this for quite a while. Please educate me. Oh my goodness. This man blew my mind. I talk a lot about the problems of blue light. That said, we evolved in natural full spectrum sunlight that our genes are programmed to respond to. And today we do not spend enough time in that light. A lot of us don't go outside and we're overexposed to blue light. It's a problem. And then to make things even more problematic, the common sad lights that I was talking about that are bright white, they actually do not contain the full spectrum light. They filter out certain wavelengths and they're high in blue light. So just like I thought, it was not doing my health many services. There is only one company I have found, or I guess that found me, that makes a full spectrum white light device. So the Soul Light Systems include the fullest spectrum of visible and invisible near-infrared light with traces of UV light. Yep, that's right, because you need all of that as well. Don't worry, it's not an exuberant amount that's going to cause a problem. It's just a tiny little dose that your body actually needs. You can use these lights to fix your circadian rhythm and properly stimulate your brain's suprachiasmatic nucleus, or SCN, in a way that it was supposed to be stimulated. It's kind of like the natural spectral diet. Because yes, you may be suffering from malillumination. Did you know that your entire bloodstream actually filters through your eyes in a relatively short amount of time. That's the only way your blood is exposed to the outside world. So when we expose our eyes to this light, it actually can have beneficial effects on our blood. That is crazy. It helps with skin, with mood. This is the light that I wasn't thinking about that we need. I love Soulshine's light therapy devices. I do use it in combination with my red and near infrared light devices as well so that I can fully bathe my body 
in the best light that is so helpful for my sleep, for my stress, for my metabolism, for my immunity, for my health, so many things. They have so many different device options. They have one that I love that kind of looks like a juve and I sit it on my desk and it has options for the full spectrum light, which is that bright white light, as well as an ear infrared option. So what I do is I do a session of the full spectrum light in the morning and then I run the near infrared to help counteract the negative blue light around me. They also have stands with bulbs that you can get. I've been using some of those on my plants. I am just so grateful that Ken at Soulshine found me because I was missing out on such a key aspect of light and I had no idea. And you can get 10% off at melanieavalon.com slash soulshine. That's S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code Melanie Avalon. So melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E with the code Melanie Avalon for 10% off. It's really helped my mood, my energy, my sleep, so many things. I think you guys will love it. So again, go to melanieavalon.com slash soulshine, S-O-L-S-H-I-N-E and use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to get 10% off site-wide. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. I mean, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning about just questioning everything. And I'm, I'm just so confused by this because, you know, on the one hand, there are all these researchers, like I'm prepping to interview Walter Longo right now, and he's very much on the, the low protein train and all of this research around low protein and longevity. But I personally, just from what I've seen, it seems like protein seems to be the most important macronutrient arguably for our bodies. And I do daily intermittent fasting and then I eat so much animal protein every night. You talk about protein usability, amino acid usability in the book, and you dismantle another myth, which listeners, you've just got to get this book because there's so much science in it and so much information that we're not even remotely touching on. Um, but you talk about like whey protein being low on the usability. Yeah, it's 18% usable by the body. Like if the usability is not 100%, what is happening to those amino acids that are not being used? Are they being burned for fuel or excreted or? No, just excreted as waste. So are they like free calories in a way? I'm just wondering where they go. Yeah, they probably would be free calories because they're, they're just going to go through you in form of nitrogen. Is it true that nitrogen balance adjusts to the nitrogen intake that you are eating? No. unless you might mean something else. I've read that, you know, if you're taking a lot of protein, your nitrogen balance and your turnover will adapt to match that. And then if you go lower, this is what actually some of the, one of the vegan people that I, one of the vegan people that I interviewed on the show, he said that like when you go lower, like the nitrogen balance adjusts to that lower rate. Our bodies are good at, at making do with the situation they have. And homeostasis can be adjusted. We have a very, I mean, I'm talking all systems of the body. We have a very adjustable biochemistry so that we can tolerate eating non-optimal foods. If you try and feed a cat vegetables, it'll die. Despite the fact that vegans actually do that. They feed their cats, you know, some sort of vegetable stuff that looks like meat. You know, the cats die. but they, they might live a couple of years before they finally give in to malnutrition. A cat's not flexible. A dog is not flexible. Like, they need meat. They're carnivorous animals. Us, we're omnivores. We can eat all kinds of stuff and live from it. That doesn't mean living well. 
It just means living. So, you know, like in North Korea, people survive living on tree bark because there's food shortages constantly. Doesn't mean we should go out and eat tree bark. So how did you um, decide to develop your your protein? It's fermented? Yeah, bacterial fermentation. So so uh, that's a great question. Like people were buying X3s like in the first first year that X3 was being produced and people were getting just smashing results. But I told them that they needed to eat one gram of protein per pound of body weight or 2.2 grams per kilogram. The problem is, and this blew my mind when people were like, I can't do it. I can't eat that much. Wait, can I just say, people tell me that they're like, how do you eat all the protein? I'm like, how do you not? <laughs> but but um, I eat so much. No, I mean, I do understand. I became a little more sympathetic when like, I put on a lot of muscle, but I wanted to get leaner. And so I'm like, okay, so even in my meals, I should probably try and be a slight caloric deficit. So I get the benefit of the fast and I get the benefit of caloric deficit because you can gain muscle and lose body fat at the same time when you have a protein surplus and a calorie deficit. That's important. Most people don't understand that. So that's pretty much where I am all the time because I'm, I keep getting stronger, I keep getting bigger, I keep getting leaner. But people were complaining and complaining like I just, or, or they would be like, I get plenty of protein. I have 50 grams a day. And I'm like, that's not even enough for a toddler. I'd be starving. Right, like that's like an eight ounce piece of meat. That's like a piece of halibut, you know, at a, at a restaurant. Like, what? That's not, that's not all you can have all day long. Yeah, you'll, you'll have malnutrition problems. But, of course, the, their problem is they're filling their intestines with all kinds of carbohydrates. So just empty stuff, like not worth having. And so I realize that probably about half the X3 users were just unwilling, especially if they were bigger like me. You know, let's say let's, let's say I'm I'm two forty, but let, let's say two a two hundred pound person has to eat basically two pounds of red meat, or you know like one point seven five pounds of chicken. They're not going to do it. But if I give them an ability to get the benefit of a hundred grams of protein from a drink, you know, powder they mix into water, well, that's a different story. They're more than willing to do that. So. Developed a bacterial fermentation product via a, a anti-wasting protocol that was uh, developed in Spain. So essential amino acid complex that was designed to keep people from losing muscle when they were in chemotherapy and in, in radiation treatment. So uh, I don't you know if you've ever known anybody in chemo, but they lose muscle real fast. And so, and they have very low levels of protein synthesis. Mostly they just can't hold down food. So this is very easy to digest, this bacterial fermentation. Like we need rotting stuff in our diets. We just don't get it because of sanitation reasons. But with this product, it's called Fortigen. And with taking Fortigen, you can get the benefit of that without having the, you know, sanitation risks. And it's measured. And, uh, you know, it's simple. So I'll take four doses of that every day. So that makes up for 200 grams of protein. So now I only have to worry about 50 grams. That's not bad at all. Also, I've been fascinated by the overfeeding studies when they overfeed with just protein, just as far as like not 
gaining weight or even I saw one where they gain muscle just from protein and they didn't add exercise. That's right. One last question about the food. How do you feel about raw meat? Speaking of fermented food, I will like crave raw meat. <laughs> and I don't know if that's a problem. I'm a fan of raw meat. I had, I was at a restaurant, it might have been two nights ago, and uh, we got steak tartare. And I'm not sure everybody knew what it was. Everybody loved it. You know, I, I get a lot of criticism for doing my, my steak the way I do because, like, sometimes I'll, I'll have, people over, you know, my girlfriend's over and I'll, I want to do the steaks raw, uh, like, you know, not raw, but rare or very rare. Some people don't like seeing blood on their plate. I'm like, well, the more it's cooked, the less nutritional value it has. So you sure? I see a well-done steak is ruined. Like just throw in the trash. I'm not going to eat that. So now slow cooked is a little different because it's more like warm in the middle, but really wh where does bacteria live? Only on the outside. Yeah, so if you sear it, it's good enough. They make the argument that fire, like cooking, is what advanced us as a species for meat. I think it's probably right because remember like what I said about rotting meats? We don't have a very good sense. Like a lion knows when its food is, has turned. There might be one day a gray area, and then they move on to the next next prey. So humans really don't like, or, or we did and we lost that ability, but you can take a piece of meat that may be questionably managed. And as long as you sear the outside, your chances of infection are almost zero. You know, the inside can just be raw. Like, like generally I sous vide my meat. Like I'll, I'll get really thick cuts. Like I'll get like a two and a half pound Chateau Brion. And uh, it was just like me and my girlfriend and we'll like, it'll cook for maybe two hours on a sous vide setting. I use a cinder grill, by the way, if you know what that is. So it has the sous vide setting. So it cooks it throughout with two cooking services, one on top, one on bottom. And then I'll crank it up to 450 degrees and sear it for like 20 seconds. But if I were by myself, I would just sear it. Yeah. Well, now, actually, what I'm doing is probably not good. I, I mean, I will just sear the steaks. Well, I'll, I'll just eat the steaks rare or raw at home. And I'll eat, I shouldn't do this, I'll eat ground beef raw, which is a lot of surface area exposed. So probably not good. It's okay. It's, it's, uh, I just crave it sometimes. Yeah, I understand. It's good. What about blood flow restriction training? Does X3 cause that at all, or is that completely different? X, X3 causes it to a greater degree than tourniquets do. Okay. Yeah, and so, like, I tell people, like, don't combine these two things. Like, you'll, you'll do worse if you combine them. Blood flow restriction is okay if you're lifting regular weights, but the body knows there's a tourniquet there, and it doesn't like that at all. And therefore, you have massive neural inhibition, meaning the muscle won't fire properly. So while you are getting a training effect, you're not getting a big one because hardly any muscle is activated. So the X3 does create that a little bit? How is it restricting blood flow? You know, it creates a lot because, because there's no, it's with the variable resistance and constant tension. With the combination of keeping constant tension with the variance, you are having blood flow into the muscle but not out. And therefore, the heart, which mediates the 
myostatin levels in the body. Myostatin is a protein that keeps you from gaining more muscle. However, when you engage in hypoxic training, which is what, what you would call it with X3, or blood flow restriction, which is a type of hypoxic training, with tourniquets, you're having blood flow into the muscle and not out. It convinces the heart that some muscle is missing, that all of a sudden you have less muscle. So it lowers your myostatin so that you can gain more muscle. It's really powerful effect. That's every set of X3 does that, as long as you use it correct. I urge people, anybody who gets one, please watch the videos. You will do so much better if you know what you're doing. Do they come with a system or is it online? Yeah, it's online, but they come with a system. Like I, we just provide a link and there's, there's a sort of a couple exercise cards and a glossy cards that show you how to do the, the movements, but you want to watch the videos too, because it shows you why you don't, I, I explained in those videos why you don't want to lock out, why you don't want to rest at the bottom. Like I see people doing a chest press, they rest with every single repetition they take. You turn the muscle on, turn the muscle off, turn the muscle on, turn the muscle off. Is that a clear signal of the central nervous system? No, it's not. And also you're letting blood escape, which denies you the hypoxic effect. Yeah, you're going to do much worse if you do it like that. And just to clarify one last time, because I mean, this is really mind-blowing if you think about it. So for the full effects from X3, it's around 10 minutes, the two different programs, like how many times per week? Like the, when you begin, it's four times per week. And then uh, we move it to six times. So I, work, I, I have one rest day. But it's still a quick workout, so you can fit it anywhere. That's an incredible return on investment. And I'm so excited because you guys sent me a system. So thank you so much. I was waiting to talk to you. And now I'm so pumped. I can't wait. No pun intended. Cannot wait to do it. And I'm sure listeners as well are going to be so, so thrilled. So if they are interested, where can they learn more? Where can they get the system? Best place to find me is I created a landing page because so many people have trouble spelling my last name. And I didn't want to send them to just the x3bar.com website because there's a lot more that I have going on than, than just that. So go to drj.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, the letter J.com. And there's links to everything. I do the most on Instagram. So if you want to follow me on one social media venue, that would be the one. Awesome. Well, for listeners, I will put links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much. This has been so incredible. Like I said, it's such valuable information and I'm so grateful for what you're doing. And actually to that point, the last question I always ask every single guest on this show, and it's just because I realize more and more each day how important mindset is. So what is something that you're grateful for? I like that I can work out outside. I really like doing all my exercise in the outdoors. Where do you live? California. Northern California. Uh, there's a couple places I, I sleep, I guess. My girlfriend just hit me under the table. She's sitting right next to me. <laughs> no, it doesn't mean anything weird. It means like I, I, you know, sometimes I stay up by my office and then I have a, another place. But basically kind of Lake Tahoe area. Yeah, I, I really enjoy being outside and, and getting all my exercise done outside. Like the last thing I want to do is be under like fluorescent lights in a gym. 
Well, awesome. Thank you so much. I so appreciate your time and what you're doing. And I know my listeners are going to be thrilled to get the book and possibly the protein and hopefully the X3 and all of it. And you've already done two incredible things. So I really look forward to your future, like all of your future projects, I'm sure. Oh, don't worry. I'm, I'm already working on the next thing. Oh, I'm excited. Well, you'll have to, you'll have to come back on in the future for that. Absolutely. This was great. You had great questions, by the way. I really love them. Oh, thank you so much. This was just beautiful. So thank you so much. Awesome. Bye. Thanks, Melanie. Thank you so much for listening to the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. For more information, you can check out my book, What When Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine, as well as my blog, MelanieAvalon.com. Feel free to contact me at podcast at MelanieAvalon.com. And always remember, you got this.